So um, I'll read a couple of verses from John chapter 14, um, not the whole passage that we looked at on Sunday, but just the ones which I think are best for a little introduction to the uh, what's going to be quite a short um, talk, as, um, as always, for the Tuesday nights. So verse 15 of chapter 14, Jesus speaking, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So uh, if you were here on Sunday, and I, I, think, I, I, think, I think you all were, um, you'll remember that we were thinking about the Holy Spirit and I was talking about that very special relationship that we can have with him as the, um, the friend who God has sent to be with us and to help us in, in all the ups and downs of our everyday lives. And, and we were thinking about how the Lord Jesus is just like the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. So in many ways, um, it is just like having Jesus himself right here beside us uh, every day. And that sounds lovely, doesn't it? But what is the reality of our own experience? I guess it's different for all of us really, but I've got to be honest with you, my own experience doesn't feel like the equivalent of having Jesus right here alongside me every day. I think, if I'm being honest, I'd rather have the flesh and blood Jesus. Even though it seems from what Jesus said that the spirit living inside us could actually be in some ways even better than what the disciples experienced in the three years that they lived with Jesus. I think we need to be careful here that we don't expect our experience of the Holy Spirit to be something that it was never intended. And just because his presence and his friendship are real, and they are, that doesn't mean it's going to feel like having one of our best friends with us all the time. I guess that's kind of obvious really, isn't it? So what should we expect? What do we know from the scriptures? Well, one of the things that we know is that the early Christians, uh, the ones that we read about in our Bibles, they had quite a variety of different experiences of the Spirit um, working among them. Sometimes it was powerful, sometimes it was gentle, sometimes it was obvious, sometimes it was more subtle, um, sometimes it was evident, and sometimes it was not. Um, for example, we know there were occasions when the work of the Spirit was seen in supernatural displays of power, like on the day of Pentecost, when all the disciples became suddenly fluent in foreign languages. But the Spirit also worked in more subtle ways, like we read about in Galatians 5. He had and has an ongoing work of transforming the character of believers to make us more loving and patient and kind and faithful and, and so on and so on. Likewise, in Acts chapter 9, we see the more subtle influence of the Spirit. It talks about how the Spirit gave encouragement. Uh, in Acts 20, he seems to be a lot less subtle 
when um, Paul talks about how the Spirit had warned him of dangers in every city and yet compelled him to go on to Jerusalem. So that was a much less subtle impulse um, and, and leading of the Holy Spirit, wasn't it? In Colossians 1, it refers to the Spirit giving wisdom and understanding. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says that the Spirit helps us to be courageous and, and loving and self-controlled. These are all just examples of how the Spirit influenced the um, decisions and the feelings and the actions of the first disciples. And he can do that today, can't he? He can do the same, uh, the same with us if, if, if we let him. I mentioned the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. You'll have recognised that's what I was alluding to when I talked about those character qualities that the Spirit is able to produce inside us, an ongoing work with us. Um, but 1 Corinthians 12, of course, is one of the um, places where we read about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is another big subject on its own. But I think it, it shows us um, another way in which the Holy Spirit can help us, enabling us to do all the things which are necessary in our, in our service for God. And interestingly, Paul makes the point that the distribution of these gifts is just as God chooses, not as we choose. And although every area of service is important to the health of the church, Paul um, is saying, we can't all expect to have the same experience of the Spirit's enabling. So even in the gifts of the Spirit, we will have different experiences of knowing the Spirit's, um, the Spirit's help. Now, we might get the idea that we don't have much say in how the Spirit works in our lives, um, how he uses us, what gifts he gives us, where he might lead us, what he might teach us, and, and, and so on. And I think that is true in part, but I think there is a dependency on how much we are willing to commit to our relationship with him. And that depends on how much we love him. And as Jesus said in John chapter 14, um, only if we love him will we keep his commands. It's um, sad, I think, that although we know from verses like Ephesians 1 and 13 that every believer has the Holy Spirit, which is contrary to what some um, denominations, groups of Christians believe, Ephesians 1 and 13 does make it, I think, very clear, and other verses, that um, every believer receives the Holy Spirit. Uh, despite that, throughout the New Testament, we see both good and bad behaviours, which, of course, reflects the reality of Christian experience, doesn't it? I'm sure if we think back to our own lives, even maybe the last week or maybe even today, we know there are <laughs> there's so often good and bad behaviours. There were believers in the early church we read about who everyone knew were um, full of the Spirit when they chose the first, um, well, what's regarded as being the first, the choosing of the first deacons, um, you know, they, they said, look for people who are, who are known to be full of the Spirit. And that's Acts chapter 6, verse 3. 
Um, this didn't mean that they had more of the spirit than anybody else. It just meant that, and you might have heard this said before, the spirit had more of them. They had committed more to the relationship and therefore the work of God and the Christ-like character was more obvious in their lives. But it's surprising, I think, how much of the New Testament is about sin and spiritual immaturity and wrong attitudes and, 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 and worldliness, not out in the world, but actually in the life of the church. You read through all the epistles and in, in, in just about every epistle, there are encouragements to stop doing naughty, naughty bad things. Um, because some had a close relationship with the Spirit and some didn't. And I guess the, the challenge for us, the question for us in our own lives is, is what about us? I think many, many of us would hesitate before answering that question because um, to answer the question, what kind of relationship do you have with the Holy Spirit? I think most most people would assume that it requires us to have a good understanding of the Spirit so we know if our relationship with him is good or not. Um, and even if we learn lots about him, it's still hard to see how we can have a, a normal relationship, something that we would call a relationship uh, with the Holy Spirit because, well, he's, he's different, isn't he? He's not like someone we can just go for a walk with in the same way as we can go for a walk with a human friend. And maybe we also feel a bit inhibited because we normally find it easier to make friends and have relationships with people who are like ourselves. But the Holy Spirit isn't like us at all, is he? He is holy and we are not. He is perfect and we are not. He is God and we were made from the dust of the earth. So can we really have something that we could call a sensible um, real relationship with the Holy Spirit? Yes, we can. I think we can because we have the promise that it's not about, it's not about us connecting with him. We have the promise that he'll come to us. He will make friends with us if we want him to. Uh, verse 21 uh, the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus said, if we love him and obey his teaching, we, that's God in the plural, will come to us and make their home with us. You know, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit isn't conditional on our love and obedience. As I said before, the Holy Spirit is given to every, every believer and, and, he, and, he, and he doesn't go away from us just because our lives might be not what they should be. Um, but the fellowship of the Spirit, as um, I mentioned on, on Sunday, um, that's how Paul refers to that special relationship at the end of second the second letter to the Corinthians, the fellowship of the, of the Spirit, that is conditional because we're talking about our ability to enjoy his presence and his experience and his help and his encouragement and his guidance. It's our ability to, 
enjoy all of that. And that, that is about the type of relationship that we, we choose to have with him. And as a minimum, we need to be trying our best to do the things that God tells us to do. And whenever we're aware of the influence of the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't resist him. That's, it mentions in Acts 7 that people could resist the Holy Spirit. We're resisting him. First Thessalonians 5 and 19 talks about how we can quench the Holy Spirit. When we're aware of the Spirit's leading, um, and maybe from day to day, we're not always, you know, we don't always have that awareness. But when he puts his hand on us and shows us clearly that we should be doing something or not doing something, we shouldn't resist him and we shouldn't try and quench that that voice um, of encouragement in our in our hearts and minds. And most of all, and this is perhaps the aspect of our relationship with the Holy Spirit more than anything else, at least for me, that kind of makes it feel more like a human relationship, if I might say that very reverently. Most of all, we should care about his feelings. Because that's what people do when they, when they love someone, right? To me, in John 14, verse 28, Jesus is saying that if the disciples truly loved him, they would care less about what they were going to lose when he returned to his father, and they'd care more about what it meant for him to go back to his father after all his sufferings. God has feelings. Jesus has feelings. The Holy Spirit has feelings. We should care about those feelings. And likewise, um, knowing the Holy Spirit is with us all the time and knows everything we do and say and think, we should care about how that impacts how he feels. And in that very same context, Ephesians 4 and 30, 4 and 30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So, um, the bottom line um, is that although our experiences of the Holy Spirit might be different from one to the other, we can, each of us, have a relationship with him if we're willing to do the things that God wants us to do um, and not do the things which grieve him. And if we'll commit to that relationship, then he will commit to us helping, supporting, guiding, comforting, teaching, all the things we thought about on Sunday and many, many more. As it says in Galatians 5, and I'll, I'll finish with this, um, great chapter on the Holy Spirit, all sorts of aspects of it. It says in Galatians 5 that we should try to walk by the Spirit. And it says we should allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit. And it also says that we should keep in step with the spirit and I guess we could probably make a whole load of talks about each one of those little phrases but the fact is that if we allow him he will transform us and the fruit of the spirit will be seen more and more in our lives.